entering the Side Mission Podcast. Three friends that love gaming and love experiencing original content and old school classics give their thoughts on the latest releases and newest topics in the gaming industry. Power up and let's get started. Welcome in everyone to the new episode of Side Mission. I'm your host as always, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys Kyle Lynch, Matthew Beck, and boys... We've had a couple big releases in the past week. First up, Star Wars Squadrons released. And it's one of those things where, you know, we were hoping after Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, we were hoping that EA had kind of gotten their act together with making Star Wars titles. And unfortunately, early on, we haven't really enjoyed this game as much as we hoped we would. Kyle, you're a big multiplayer guy. Yeah. Why is it the first few games we didn't enjoy this game? Honestly, it was it was at the beginning really beautiful to look at. I was excited for it. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, graphically graphically impressing. The sound, you know, just the the sound elements that they have in there's familiar to, you know, hey, if you're a big Star Wars fan like I am, you'll recognize them off the bat. You know, it gives you that nostalgia feeling. But then you get into the gameplay, and it's maybe it's because I'm, you know, I'm not a big uh, flight simulator guy, but the mechanics on it are so overly complicated, and it's just it, it feels like you know at times your ship is really fast, and then other times you're just dragging, and every time you know yes. you're trying to go back and forth shooting at people, they just you know they'll flip around you, and then you gotta turn around, and they'll flip around oh. you again, and by that time you know they wasted all your shields, and you're blown up. It's very complicated for a flight sim too. Like it's it's not even just that it's you've got to switch between diverting your energy to your blasters, to your shields, to your engines for speed. There's a lot you have to keep up with and I think maybe we should have gone in with that mindset of hey, this is more of a flight sim. It's not really it's not really meant to be like a normal like first person shooter where you kind of, you know, you aim you shoot and it's more of, you know, being quick to the draw. This, it's very much more tactic-based. It's knowing in a dogfight, if you're losing, maybe trying to get out of there and get your health back, get your shields back, and then getting back into the fight instead of just, you know, going after going after this kill that you might not get. And so I will say, and Matt, I'll go to you on this because I know you've had this attitude towards it as well. You've really tried to impress this attitude onto me and Kyle especially. Uh-huh. Uh, we've only played a little bit of this game. It's important to point out we are not good at this game. None of us were. I think the most kills any of us got in one game was like two. Yeah. I think Matt might. I think you might have gotten two. I might. Have, I don't know if I got two at any point. I think I'm pretty sure me and Kyle each only got one. Yeah. So <laughs> how important for for this game is it for people to stick to it? Because a lot of things written about this game early on are, hey, it's a game that's going to be tough to master. You've got to put that time in. How important is that going to be for people to kind of put that extra time in, Matt? I'm well, personally going to say this: the game has some interesting mechanics. Um, in Battlefront 2, very similar space combat. There, I did everything I can to avoid playing that stuff. Uh, so, going into this game, I kind of expected that because uh, the developers of this game don't have the biggest track record. I do believe that they helped out on Battlefront 2 with the VR portion of the space combat. Um, I feel like one thing that we probably should have done was probably invest a little bit more time into that single player before we jumped online, because, uh, yep. you know, that's just teaching you the basic mechanics. We just were kind of like, okay, you know what, let's just hop online. You will see what's going to happen. And 
We got blown up, everybody. Just run right <laughs> after the other. I I recall some certain people who kept, specifically one dude in general, he kept coming after me. So I started going after him, and then I got blown up by his buddy. So I'm just like, okay, this is like Star Wars drive-by. I'm tired of this. Um, I'm definitely uh, definitely going to, if you do pick up this game, uh, advise y'all to ch- just go through the single player first, get, get a really good feel of the controls and of the mechanics as far as like putting your shields up or switching over to uh, your rockets and get like, I'm, I'm still kind of confused on that. Cause it feels like I get like my target and you know, uh, the reticle turns green and I go for it and it misses. And I'm just like, okay, so how come it misses them? But it always hits me. I'm like, okay, this, this is a very, it's, it's very frustrating. Yeah, for sure. I think that there's a lot of it that you could look at and say, you know, maybe we haven't invested enough time in it. Maybe we're just bad at it and we're getting frustrated. It's also important to point out, it was like, you know, almost midnight when we actually got into the multiplayer finally. It was a little right, after midnight, right. at least our time. Obviously, Kyle's an hour behind us. Um, mm. But it was relatively late at night when we got into it, and I think we had all just gotten done playing, about the, playing the other game that came out that night. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But maybe it is that we just got frustrated. The controls are tough to master. I'll tell you, personally for me, it was very hard with the left stick to avoid moving the stick around a lot. Instead of just going forwards yeah. to go faster and pulling back on the stick to slow down, I found myself moving the stick all over the place because I'm so used to that being my main movement. I'm used to, in every game, the left stick is primarily how you move. The right stick is the direction you look in. And instead, mm-hmm. it's literally forwards, backwards, and using the right stick to kind of guide yourself around. And maybe that also could be fixed by remapping the buttons. I haven't looked. I don't know if any of us have. But maybe there's potentially a way to remap the buttons to where it's a little bit simpler. The story is relatively interesting so far, although I think at this point it's important to point out that it feels very similar to Battlefront 2 in the in the extent of you start off in the shoes of the Empire and maybe you go back and forth. I haven't played a lot of the story so far. But one of the main characters you talk to in the Empire, literally within the first 20 minutes, defects to the Rebels. And that's pretty much what happens in Battlefront 2. So I'll ask you this, and I'll open the um, I'll open the floor to Kyle. We'll go to you first for this. What is it about the Star Wars titles that EA, besides Jedi Fallen Order that came out last year, which is fantastic, what is it that EA is doing wrong in terms of their Star Wars titles? Um, well, we know back when uh, Battlefront was announced, that was major hype. You know, everybody was super excited because this is a great game from our childhoods and they did the unspeakable by putting in microtransactions so heavy yes. that you literally had to pay for characters you had to pay for you know heroes and you could just you know pay for them and then get them constantly in the games and you're always going to be better because you paid for these better heroes you paid for this better equipment you know stuff like that mm-hmm. And it was so, it was so bad. Then Battlefront 2 gets announced, and they're like, hey, we're, we learned we're not going to do this again. And for whatever reason, we trusted them. And they came out microtransactions again, which I believe that later on they actually had to end up removing it completely. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, Fallen Order was. A, I don't know. They they got their heads on straight for that one, but I think it's the heavy microtransactions, the you know bland story. the The gameplay is all right, but 
you know, when it when it's so heavily pay to win, you know, it's really it, it's just I'm drawing a blank here. I can't even think of something to say. It's just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think that there were just so many issues in the first Battlefront, and then the second Battlefront just had such a bad release with all the pay to win. It just and, and, and it didn't help also that in Battlefront Two, another thing that was notorious was the XP grind. Um, XP was ve- was given out very very slowly. You did not earn it very quickly at all. Oh yeah. And so it, it was bad. I think that I think that someone said to unlock every character just straight up through XP. I think they said it was going to take 300 dedicated hours, not just 300 hours of gameplay, but dedicated like you are working to get better and get good at the game. Mm-hmm. And so Matt, when this the first half of this with some positivity, if you had to pitch why someone should give Squadrons a try if they're on the fence, what's the positive outlook? Why would you tell someone yes, give it a try? I'm going to tell people this. This game is solely made for Star Wars fans, uh, just because obviously, you know, these the the sound effects are absolutely amazing. The same sound effects that we've been seeing since the original Star Wars, um, and even people who like dogfighting games, like if you have ever played any of uh, certain ones like uh, Warhawk. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, this kind of game is how I pictured Star Fox to be, and I would love to see that kind of happen. But this is definitely a game that I would definitely find some way to play it before uh, you buy it, because I really feel like you need to get a good feel of it. Because uh, as I said previously, the controls are just a little, little difficult. Uh, as far as like using both analog sticks to not only just move, but also control the camera, which controls the direction you're going into. And then you also have to remember exactly which uh, buttons on the D-pad you want to use at, you know, you have to time them just right for your shields to uh, regenerate health, uh, to, uh, I believe, uh, go a little bit faster. And then obviously clicking in the uh, L3 stick, you know, to go faster. There's just a lot to remember, and it's a very hectic game. So definitely I would advise to, you know, if you want to give it a shot, try to find a way to play it on a friend's uh, system if they already own it. Or just, if you love Star Wars, go ahead and get it. Speaking of games that have been made for fans, and I know Kyle specifically is excited for this. He's ready to talk <laughs> about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. Funny title because it actually has two meanings. One, it is about time we got another Crash game. But two, it's literally about time. It's about the it's about different dimensions in the Crash Bandicoot universe. It's awesome. We're all having a fun time with it so far. I know, Kyle, I think you're the closest to beating it right now. Um, by the time this episode goes up, I'm sure that we'll all have likely beaten it by then. Kyle, instant thought, what was the feeling when you booted this game up and you finally got your hands on this game? I've been a long-time Crash fan, and the, when... When I first, you know, saw the animation, the Toys for Bob come up, and I saw Crash, you know, pop up through the... Oh, I was like, oh my god, this game is... It's here. It's finally here. And it, you know, it starts up and this, you know, amazing cutscene goes through. And, you know, the the animation on it was so well done. The voice acting was so well done. You know, the jokes landed. They They really made you, you know, feel like no time has passed since, you know the last game it's it's so it's just the way it connects is so well thought out and uh i was so amazed when i loaded up i saw crash right on the beach i started messing with everything <laughs> <laughs> i know uh rusty you were the one who told me about uh the tv 
where yes! you run up <laughs> to it and spin it, and it was the different crash games. Like use the different loading screens. That is such a cool little feature. I think yeah. that um, I think what I like about this game most is that it's great for newcomers to the series, but it's also great for vet veterans of the series. If you've played all the other Crash games, even the ones that, to be honest, probably shouldn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> if you've played all of them, though, there's something here for you. There's a lot here. You know, Matt, I think one thing we all talked about, and I know this was a very, very healthy discussion, and it's a good discussion in gaming in general right now. Um, this game is 60 bucks. You know, I think the number one thing that a lot of people are going to ask that maybe didn't get this, and I know I had to answer it uh, today when I went to, you know, went to the store and bought a couple games, and a guy was asking me about it. Uh, is the game worth $60? I think it absolutely is. So, Matt, what, what, what is it about this game, specifically the level design, what is it about it that helps it reach that point where it's worth $60? I'm actually going to say this. As someone who has not played Crash games in, in quite a long time, because actually I did not play the remasters uh, here recently, but I will say this. Um, it's literally like these mechanics to this game, they haven't aged at all. Like They, are, they still... You know, fit in so perfectly with modern day gaming, like these mechanics from the old PlayStation One days. They just transition so well over into, you know, this newer generation of of gaming, and uh, it definitely is worth the sixty dollars. Because I'm not gonna lie, when I was first thinking about purchasing it, I thought it was gonna be forty dollars. You know, but when I saw the price tag, I was like, okay, this I'm gonna be a little kind of uh, critical on the on the price here. But you know, I booted it up and I started it. And as someone who hasn't exactly been a huge crash fan i fell in love with this game and you know i grew up mostly playing nintendo's games um so going from like you know open world type 3d gameplay platforming with the mario games to just a more kind of hallway-esque uh you know sometimes it, it transitions over to uh side scrolling it, it's beautiful it, it everything flows together beautifully uh the enemy designs are you know amazing the level designs are phenomenal there's plenty of challenges along the way uh, i definitely can see this game you know being worth the 60 dollars because i can see people just coming back to it in the future even when we get maybe quite possibly the, you know crash 5 uh it just it holds up so well and it is a love letter from uh what's the developer's names toy for bob yeah toy yes for bob. okay yeah it is a love letter from the original games that naughty dog created and they they are holding up their own to Naughty Dog's original first three Crash games. I think that I don't think it's too early at all to say this. I think this could go down as the best Crash Bandicoot game, at least one Absolutely. of the main core titles. I oh, think this yeah. could because the level design is some of the best in any platforming game I've played recently. You know, when we think about platformers that have recently come out, I think there's three that have come out that stick out for different reasons. Um, one, for the best reasons of all, is Mario Odyssey. Uh, Mario Odyssey is a fantastic game, one of the best games on Switch, and one of the best games in the Mario franchise. On the other end of the spectrum, you have SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, re, uh, you know, rehydrated, reloaded, whatever it was called. That it just it, it, There were things about it that could have been fixed that weren't fixed. And then squarely in the middle, as a brand new entry, you have a game like New Super Lucky's Tale, which last year was one of my favorite games of the year, and it was just a simple platformer, simple Nintendo Switch platformer. And I think that what makes this game great is that the level design of this game, I would put right up there with Mario Odyssey. In fact, my favorite level in the game, Offbeat, 
gave me real vibes to the city uh, area in Mario Odyssey. Just with, you know, you're, you're jumping off trumpet pedals and you're bouncing off drums and there's this fun music playing. You're getting in these cannons and you're blasting yourself all over the map. The other thing that is this, is the levels are lengthy too. The levels, if you play the first three Crash games, the levels are not that long. They might be a little difficult, and there's certainly a difficulty curve at some point in all four games. Yeah. But the levels here are so lengthy and they add so much, and when you think you're getting to the end, you'll have like ten more minutes, and you're like, wow, they really added a lot onto this. And then, Kyle, it's also the masks. It's all yes. the different masks. The dark matter mask. Uh, the uh, anti-gravity mask, the one that allows you to kind of pick which blocks show up that you can jump on. It's so cool. I love that they really made this game feel different. They didn't just make a copy-paste game to Crash 3 or to Crash 2. And I think that a lot of people widely consider, you know, Crash 2, Cortex Strikes Back. I think a lot of people consider uh, that to be the best one. I think that It's About Time is going to overtake it as the best one in the series. So real quick, before we go... Kyle, tell me, favorite level and why so far? Because I'm interested to hear from both of you what your favorite levels are, because mine obviously is offbeat. Um, I I gotta say, offbeat is really high up there. Um, I gotta say, probably the very first level. It was such... Okay. It was <laughs> so new to me, but at the same time, gave me, you know, this old nostalgic feeling... <laughs> But uh, what really stuck out to me was when you go onto the vine, you know, it's a, it's a new mechanic. It's never, you know, been, we haven't seen this in Crash before. Right off the bat, the very first level, it's like, hey, you know, there's same old characters, different mechanics. This is a different game. We stepped it up. And the way the camera kind of just pans out and really shows you how bright and colorful, you know, and fleshed out the world is around you, It's it was just so breathtaking. I was... I was probably one of the happiest moments, you know, in gaming this year for me. For sure. So, Matt, what about you? What level really sticks out to you so far? Okay, well, I'm currently not nearly as far as you guys. I definitely believe um, I'm, I just currently beat the first boss on, on the second world. I'm actually going to say that that first boss that you fight, um, yes, the, the drumming... You. I absolutely love how they approached how you're going to fight this boss, uh, you know, and it gets to a specific point where they really switch it up, uh, and it kind of goes into, like, a, a frogger type of gameplay where you're jumping across moving platforms and you have to dodge, like, these, like, colorful, like, beams that, you know, obviously do damage if they hit you. And then it gets to a point where you, you use the mask. Uh, I can't quite remember which one it was. As I said, I'm not that far. Uh, it's where you, like, make the invisible platforms appear and you have to time yep. everything perfectly and you're also timed to get to the boss and i just thought as someone i have experienced many many bosses in many platformer games and i love how they approach this one it's so different it's not like something that i've actually seen before where i just typically jump on the enemy's head you actually have to time jumps you have to uh dodge you have to uh you know uh it's just many, many different things that they fit into a single boss fight. It makes me super excited to get more into the game and experience like the uh, other boss fights and see exactly how they approach, you know, the mechanics towards these uh, these sections of the game. One more, one more level that I'm going to give a brief shout out to. Spoiler alert for anyone who's still really early on in the game. <laughs> 
Uh, hook, line, and sinker, the first me- the first level you play as Tana is awesome. I thought that that was a great level because that really introduced the mechanics of you're going to play as characters you've never played as before, unless you count Crash Team Racing. Because you get to play as her in a couple levels. You get to play as Neo Cortex in a couple levels. You get to play as Dingo Dial in a couple levels. And they all play so differently. And playing as Tana, look, won't get into too many details for anyone that hasn't played it yet, but she's awesome. So I'll leave it at that. That's going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel for more content and follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. For Kyle Lynch and Matt Beck, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Side Mission Podcast. Keep up with new episodes and download your favorites in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.